From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. A few years ago, as New Year's Eve approached, Kyle asked himself a question. Who should really be the CEO come January 1st? And that's kind of a weird question to ask because you know who the CEO is? Kyle is the CEO. I'm Kyle Hansloven, co-founder and CEO at Huntress. Huntress makes cybersecurity software, and Kyle has been its leader since the beginning. And this question, who should be the CEO, this came to him a few years ago, and he decided to take it really seriously. Because, you know, the thing is that just because somebody starts a company does not mean that they are the right leader for every stage of that company's life. At some point, perhaps you are not the right leader, and that's okay, or it should be okay although it's really hard to wrap your head around. And so Kyle started this thing, this tradition that sounds a little crazy and maybe is a little crazy, but also sounds really healthy and that I wanted to dig into with him. And that is that he asks himself every year if he should be the CEO of the company going forward. And then he really takes that question seriously and then makes the case for the answer publicly. So on this episode of Problem Solvers, I wanted to get into it with Kyle. Why does he ask this question and what does he feel like leaders should be doing to constantly evaluate whether they are the right person to lead their company forward? Because you know what? At some point, the answer might be no, you are not the right person and you better be prepared for that. So on this episode of Problem Solvers, it's Kyle talking about whether or not he should lead his company. Ah, spoiler alert, right now the answer is yes, but it may not be forever. Coming up after the break. As a founder or business owner, you know what it's like to run your entire business from your inbox. Between the sales, recruiting, and fundraising emails, things can get messy. And Streak is the solution to that. Streak is a CRM designed to help you stay on top of each part of your process and your inbox without ever leaving Gmail. Streak gives you tools for email tracking, mail merges, and snippets to save time and scale up your email efficiency. In just a few minutes, you can also set up pipelines right inside your inbox to start tracking your contacts and emails through each process. Streak helps you collaborate by sharing emails and pipelines with your team members, whether you work in an office, out in the field, or on a remote team. And everything is customizable. Sign up for Streak today at streak.com slash problem solvers and get 20% off your first year of their pro plan, the most popular option. That is streak.com slash problem solvers for 20% off their pro plan. Streak.com slash problem solvers. All right, we're back. So I first heard about Kyle from Bob. Wait, Bob, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Bob. Uh Uh-huh. Bob is Bob Abrams, an old friend of my parents, and he works at Huntress and also listens to this show. So hi, Bob. Anyway, Bob emailed me one day after hearing Kyle speak to the team over at Huntress about this question, about evaluating whether or not he is the right leader for the company going forward. And he said this was just a really interesting thing. He'd never seen a leader do something like this, and he found it pretty inspiring and also trust building. It's great to have a leader who is willing to challenge themselves like that. And I thought, well, that is really interesting. Let me learn more about it. And so I got in touch with Kyle. 
What I want to know is how did you come to ask yourself annually if you are the right leader for your company? So you could imagine at any state of your life, you probably ask, am I qualified to do this, right? When I got my driver's license, I, I thought to myself, my parents are nuts. Am I, am I able to drive? Turns out it doesn't stop when you're a CEO of a software company. And so I quickly realized that if I was going to be a founder, I could get this thing off the ground, but maybe I would one day hire a CEO that could do things better than me. That was effectively how I founded the company. I'm a technical guy. I came out from an offensive cybersecurity background. Clearly, there's somebody more qualified to be a CEO. And uh, every year, I would do this like it was usually New Year's Eve. I don't know, maybe there was drinks involved or something. That's Maybe that's where the, the really started. But I started asking myself, who should really be the CEO come January 1st? And my solution became... I better start asking myself instead of on the 31st, maybe I asked myself the 1st of December and then I write a blog to sometimes it was myself and then it became to a handful of employees and now we're 100 employees and I just did the same thing in January uh, of 2021 asking, is it the end of the line for the CEO? And if so, what does the next level of CEO need? So far, I, I've continued to hire myself, which is, I guess, a pretty good spree, but I still ask myself and plan to continue asking myself the same question. So does this mean that you feel genuinely prepared that at some point the answer might be, no, I am not the right leader for this company? Yeah. So one thing I'm lucky that uh, second time founder, first company did well enough, took care of me financially, took care of my kids financially. But Huntress was started with a, a purpose, a bigger, we were going to bring cybersecurity to the businesses that fall below the Fortune 500, right? Thousand employees and below instead of usually it's a thousand employees and above. So when you set your goals like your North Star that far ahead, you know, for you to be able to accomplish that goal, it's going to need the best people around it. So I wasn't too headstrong or worried. I was still going to be there. I mean, to be honest, you know, don't tell my investors or anything, but I'd work here for free. I really like my job that much. So I've always been a-okay with the concept of whether it was me or somebody who's better qualified. That's cool. You could have the CEO job. You know, I, so what I like about this is that you're, you've built into your system an awareness that sometimes really takes CEOs by surprise. I'll give you an example. Perhaps you know, famously, Mark Randolph, first CEO of Netflix. And part of his story is that he helped grow this thing. And then eventually, Reed Hastings came into his office and said, look, I think that it's time for you to step aside so that I, Reed Hastings, can be CEO. And Mark Randolph was not prepared for this and went home, had well, I think he told me a glass, but probably quite a lot more than that of wine with his wife and talked it out and ultimately came to this realization that, in fact, his strengths had already been executed. Like his strengths are vision and getting something off the ground and getting it moving, but he's not a scale CEO. And so Reed actually was the right person to step in at that time. And that was very humbling and challenging, but ultimately the right decision for the company and for both of them. And I've heard versions of this story quite a lot. But it often starts with a shock, sometimes a confrontation, a awareness that did not come easy. And I like that you, you at least seem, I mean, you haven't faced the moment yet, I suppose we should check in a couple of years from now or however long it might be that you say, you know, maybe I'm not the right CEO, but right now you seem to have made peace with the idea long before it ever comes to you, which seems very healthy, but also very hard to do. 
I wish I could take more credit for that. And I have heard the same stories. You obviously Reed has since uh, had tremendous success. You know, yep. most recently Netflix, he clearly is the scaling CEO. I tend to like, don't get me wrong. I love a lot of the startup vibe that is fail fast, fail often. I just much rather not fail, right? Like it, I would rather watch somebody else touch the hot stove instead and, you know, and me learn like, oh, I probably shouldn't touch that hot stove. And so I've been really fortunate that I have now probably got a dozen friends who have either IPO'd or had a three comma exit. And they have been brutally honest to me, setting me up. So all the way down to like my co-founders and I, we've been effectively married for 11 years, not literally, but sure. we see each other more than our own spouses. And we had these discussions super early at the emphasis from some of our friends who have now post IPO'd, but this conversation was pre and they said, look, I wish I would have had these conversations much earlier on. Why don't you stand on my shoulders so you don't have to touch the hot stove? So as much as I would like to take credit for some of this, I've just have been, I think maybe the thing I've been best at at Huntress so far is how do I just watch others touch the hot stove? And so I could do it. So that was one of the many all the way down to how much money is enough money for, to be able to exit to sell. And then smart enough to revisit as our scale has gotten bigger and bigger to say, did our ambition get bigger and bigger? Those are really hard, but we've actually done this. I mean, just most recently, I mean, on, on Friday, and we're talking about 48 hours ago, Friday, I just closed a $40 million Series B. It's the first place I've ever actually mentioned that before. That's exciting. Although it won't be the first place to hear it. We are talking in May. I don't know yet when people will actually be listening to this, but honored to hear it first. Yeah. That's I mean, exciting. congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate it. But with that, was also, I had two founders, keep in mind, there's three of us total. Mm -hmm. One founder decided for him to stay and do another five years at this. He wanted to move into a more technical position where he was happiest. He actually was giving up his VP title and said, I, I want to go and be a subject matter expert on the technology. Also came from a technical background. Likewise, my co-founder, Chris said, Hey, I also, to be able to do this another five years, I can't do this the same way I am. He's the chief architect. He ended up moving into a CTO role, which both straddles hardcore code, but also hardcore strategy. And so this is all of us just kind of be acceptable. Like if we are going to make a big difference, we need to be there where we can make the biggest difference. And it seems like it was the right decision at that time. I mean, obviously I've heard the same lore as you have, but mm -hmm. if somebody has already executed and done what they've done best, why wouldn't you want to bring the next person in? That doesn't mean you have to go. But maybe that means there's also other opportunity out there with you. Uh, for me, I've always joked that if I was not the CEO, I'd love to be involved in products somehow at Huntress. And I'm okay with that. Uh, you had mentioned in that answer, learning a lot from friends of yours who have IPO'd, had massive exits, and that they were brutally honest with you. Uh, curious about what brutal honesty you've heard that has really helped shape you. Yes. So Doug Song and John Oberheide are the co-founders of Duo. Close friends, even closer in the sense of telling us where they've made some of their own mistakes and more specifically being okay with what does it look like to raise the right capital versus the wrong capital? To be honest, even being okay and saying sometimes you don't get to raise either. You just have to raise the capital that's there. Early on, I mean, Huntress even considered an acquisition by Duo a handful of years ago, right before they got acquired for $2.35 by Cisco. <laughs> we, we considered it. And it turned out some of that brutally honest feedback was, you know, we were too early with an idea that hadn't been proven out enough to be able to raise a series A. 
by effectively becoming okay with we were going to have to bootstrap a little longer, we bootstrapped the first four years of our business. And when I went to go raise a Series A, instead of raising like a two or $5 million Series A, Huntress had 20,000 customers using our software and we raised an $18 million Series A. So it was a hard lesson. To be honest, it was pretty depressing to never have VC see what we could see. But he was just brutally honest to say, look, you got one of two choices. Go get acquired and throw in the towel, or you can push it out a little bit further. That sounds like such basic feedback, but it was the exact feedback I needed to hear at that moment. Other things like if you think about the IPO of Carbon Black, they've now since been acquired for $2 billion by VMware. But the founders of Carbon Black, Mike Viscuso, this is another person who came from a technical background. Him and I worked in the intelligence community beforehand as coworkers. And he just told me brutally in the beginning that as much as I want to be technical and as much as I want to make a difference, if you can't figure out the sales strategy to be able to convince somebody to, you know, let go a dollar from their pocket, all the coolest technology you want to sell and offer in the world will not matter if you cannot sell it. And that sounds like you could read that in a thousand different books, but having a friend who is in a position of like authority, they were on their way up, tell you that type of stuff. You start asking like, okay, this isn't just the stuff I read from Guy Kawasaki's Art of the Start or something corny like that. You take it a little bit more personal. And as a result, I often had to hear that stuff from friends that, you know, they were quite literally not telling me like, oh, Kyle, you might have to do this or, oh, Kyle, you should. They were literally telling me, go hire a better sales team because you're a crappy sales guy, Kyle. And (laughs) that was the stuff I needed to hear. So I appreciate you asking, you know, Jason, those specific questions. Hey, I'm interrupting here. We have to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, but we will come back with more from Kyle. You know, when it comes to your next business read, you do have options. You could pick up that trendy new buzzwordy business book, or you could learn the timeless buzzword free lessons of a straightforward modern classic. I am talking about Good Profit by Charles Koch, a CEO with a real-world track record of decade upon decade of actual exponential business growth. Want the lessons from somebody who's actually done it? Start by visiting goodprofitbook.com. Goodprofitbook.com. All right, we're back. So I'm just going to dive right back into my conversation with Kyle, starting with my next question. So that's great because... I think that when you hear the kind of question that you're asking yourself every year, am I the right person to lead this company? It feels like a very solitary exercise. You alone in a room thinking about you. But where you're leading me here is an understanding that that question for you is part of a larger context of understanding everybody around you and everything that you've learned. So that, look, if it comes to the point where you're not the right person or whatever. Maybe you are the right person, but you need to fix this or that. That's not because of any kind of failure. That's not because you weren't able to live up to some kind of Herculean expectations. That's simply because you are constantly aware of the reality of growing a business. And a business, as it grows, constantly needs new things And those are always going to have to come from new people. New people in what roles? You got to figure that out along the way. But the more that you understand the ecosystem that you actually live in, the more you can understand where you are best served by being. Is that right? 
No, I, I think you're nailing it, whether you know you knew it or not. I, I almost wish we pre-discussed some of these things so I could give you like <laughs> great credit. But that was a, a super in, you know insightful question. I learn from both the founders who tell me what to do, but sometimes you learn. Like if I think about my earliest childhood memories, a you know, single mom, I learned more from my dad of what not to be in life than I probably learned what to be. But you still learn, mm-hmm. right? So I've even had founder friends that they were the CEO to start. And then they end up into like a chief product officer role or something like that because they really weren't that right material to scale or they didn't have the right finance acumen. So on my end, I just started out with the question that if I was going to be the CEO, what does a CEO need to be to get to the first million or the first five or the first 10? And I've done that at every stage of our business and said, all right, now this year I need to double to go from 10 to 20. What do I need to have at that time? And so I would either one of two things. I would learn those skills when we were really early, or I would hire somebody to elevate me so I didn't get embarrassed. And it boils down to something like if I think about my weekly staff meetings, I'm always the last person to comment on a topic. And a lot of people would ask, why would you do that? Well, one, it gives everybody a chance to speak first. And that's actually a lot of value that comes out of it. But to be honest, being last allows you to kidnap somebody else's great idea as your own. And it may, <laughs> you know, I mean, that sounds like so selfish, but to be honest, this is really some of the skills that a passionately growing CEO is going to have to learn. And so I do, I make a blog every year now. That's, that's the more modern version of that question. And so of the year of things that I read or podcasts I listened to or LinkedIn posts that I thought was insightful, or sometimes it's like a painful lesson learned in my kid's life or something like that, I keep track. And then I share with my employees, these are the top 10 things that I've learned this year, forcing myself to learn it. And then I usually answer that question, is it the end of the line for the CEO? Sometimes I troll them pretty hard. Like this year's title was end of the road for the CEO for my blog. You could imagine that shocked them. I bet that got a lot of clicks. Yeah, it was definitely clickbait heavy within the company. And, uh, you know, immediately said, look, that's because the version of, you know, a series A CEO is, is gone. Like the company will never need that version of the CEO again at this stage. And so I had to more or less, as, as brutal as it sounds, you force yourself to kill that off or you accept your new position. And I am not dead set on being the CEO forever, but I am dead set on our success. And it turns out the further and further I got, like I'm, as we're talking, I'm scrolling through my actual blog right now. Some things were like core values. Other examples were people's really boring S1s. That's the paperwork you file with the SEC before you go public, mm. learning what not to do of how to have a boring IPO. Other things were Elon Musk getting his pants sued off him by the SEC for his, you know, $420 per share tweet. Yep. That turned out, you know, I guess in hindsight now, the stock is worth over like $3,700 a share if you consider pre-stock. So I guess who's laughing now? But either way, I learned from these. And one of the ones that made the most difference to me, the the Saster, you know, community puts out great podcasts occasionally, or even some of the stuff in their forums are actually more valuable, I would feel, than some of the mainstream content. And on that end, they had an awesome blog that talked about, let's go hire a new CEO. And it turned out this blog was so brutal and it ended in, okay, you're probably not a great CEO, but if you hired the perfect person, do they know your customers better? Do they know your feature gaps better? Do they know what you need for your roadmap better? Do they know your competition? Do they know how to sell it, how to market it, how to build it? And usually you're like, no, 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 no. And unfortunately, I've come to the conclusion every year, oh, crap, I'm the best that there's out there at this job right now. And that's kind of a high bar because now all of a sudden you're like, I better elevate myself because I, even if I wanted to hire a better CEO, 
I mean, even the worst of CEOs, which I have been early stage, I was the worst CEO. I, I, I had CEO in title, but I didn't do anything a CEO did. But it was those type of things that made me different. Even though I was not the best of CEOs on the grand scheme, Reed Hastings could beat my pants off at the end of the day. I was the best CEO Huntress could get. And sometimes that's enough. And you know, we're now you know, $200 million plus company. And I'll continue every year asking myself, am I the right one? Or is it time to finally find somebody better? Kyle, I really love this. I love the perspective. I love the humbleness. And so I'm just gonna ask you one more question here, which is somebody's listening to this. They might be inspired to do the same thing. But I think that you have well displayed that this isn't just a matter of asking a question every year. This is a holistic philosophy. It's a way of thinking about yourself and about business. So where would you suggest, and maybe it is start with this question, but maybe it's not, where would you suggest that people start? If you're a leader of a company and you understand, perhaps not emotionally yet, but at least intellectually, that the company will change, your role will change, perhaps at some point you're not going to be best suited for it. How does somebody start to adapt to that and to put it to use? I think this is going to be a lame first answer, and then I'll expand on it and make it a little bit sexier. But I started with the simple question of how do I give more than I take? And I asked that of the company. How do I give the company more than I take? And I just continue to expand on that. In marketing, how could I give back to my partners who were selling our software? We were a very reseller-heavy channel more than I took back in profit. And then it became an education. How could we educate their clients, give them more than I took? And that really, at that point, when I started always asking myself that question of how can I give more than I take, it forced me to be thoughtful about how I was going to be in all of my relationships. And maybe, you know, despite the success of Huntress, my family relationships haven't been the greatest. I've often given my company more than I gave back to my family. That's real life. If you've ever been a founder, like that is part of the thing that you'll have to wrangle, especially if you have a, you know, a partner, a spouse, something like that. But it caused me to be a bit more thoughtful. And then it turns out it rubs off onto just about everything you do. And it gets into the real meaty part of this of, you know, if you're really be asking, how do you give more than you take? You're okay with this idea of I'm going to give the company and maybe the best thing you can give the company is getting out of the way. Or maybe it's doing the thing that you can do better than anybody else. And no offense, like even at this stage, like most people talk about how much a CEO, a CEO is a very lonely job, even with three co-founders, right? Or myself and two co-founders. It's still lonely. I am the only CEO. They hear it from me. So having that source of people, but I would say if you don't like, I'm, I'm not a sports ball fan, right? I'm, I'm not into basketball, soccer, baseball, or any of those, but I do know that some analogies in sports just work. Like you'll never hit a home run if you don't swing. So If I didn't take the crack at being the CEO, if I didn't take a crack at leveling myself up, I surely wouldn't be the CEO now. I can promise you someone would have made that decision on my board for me. So at least, you know, if you want to have control, introspection probably starts with asking like, am I giving it my all? Am I qualified? Am I giving more than I took? And I think that goes a long way. I've heard other folks use that same analogy. Bezos, I believe, I'm not a huge Jeff Bezos fan myself, but his very last letter to the Amazon board here recently was very thoughtful and he used things very similar. So I think these are, you know, maybe not like our our civil liberties, like there are certain rights that can't be taken away. I think there's probably some of these truisms though that are like, look, I think even the Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts use something like that of, leave the situation better than you found it. 
that's probably a good start for any, whether it's aspiring CEO, maybe you're the CEO that's been growing at a slow pace for the last five years. And now you want to really turn up the heat with the investment of your own. You should probably start there with some self you know, introspection to ask, is the company staggered for five years because of you? Or can the company take off because of you? And then just get that right person in place, whether it's to augment your gaps or replace you. I think that's a-okay. Well, Kyle, I will leave you to decide whether or not you should still be CEO, but I will declare you the right guest for this podcast. That was really great advice. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. I appreciate your time as well. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Problem Solvers wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Monday morning and you don't want to miss it. And hey, be kind. Pass the show along to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost. And did you solve a problem that would be good for this show? Let me know about it. Visit my website, jasonpfeiffer.com, J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com, where you can find my contact information and all sorts of other valuable info. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for all all your entrepreneurship needs and even better subscribe to our magazine which is just full of the smartest entrepreneurs solving the toughest problems my name is jason pfeiffer the editor-in-chief of entrepreneur magazine thanks for listening and hey let's go solve some problems